Who's the first to protect our land without compromise? Tamacycle, the first of its kind ecological net wrap and baler twine made with recycled content. Contact your local dealer today and start baling for a better tomorrow. Tama, always first. Hello and welcome to your Over the Farm Gate podcast brought to you by Farmers Guardian. I'm your host this week, FG Deputy Editor Olivia Midgley. Don't forget to subscribe on your favourite platform so you never miss an episode. Now, have you been a victim of rural crime or do you fear becoming one? Well, you're not alone. Organised rural criminals are a constant threat to farming businesses, with thieves becoming more sophisticated and farmers having to deploy greater security techniques to deter them. This week, rural insurer NFU Mutual has revealed figures which show thefts of high-value GPS technology now becoming more the norm on British farms have spiked. In fact, they've nearly doubled in a year to £2.9 million. Just how are these gangs getting away with it and what can farmers do to stay one step ahead? Here's Jess Fredenberg. Hello everyone, I'm Jess Fredenberg and today we're talking about rural crime. Maybe you've been a victim yourself or fear becoming one. Well, we have lots of practical advice coming up from a detective constable and a nephew mutual about how to protect yourself and your property. And we're also going to be looking at how rural crime has changed during the pandemic. First, though, I spoke with arable farmer Jim Papworth in North Norfolk a few days ago. Jim had a GPS system stolen out of his combine last year, just before harvest, and has been a victim of rural crime multiple times. According to NFU Mutual, theft of GPS devices nearly doubled in 2020 to £2.9 million. Let's hear from Jim. We got the combine prepared for harvest. We moved it from its winter quarters, where it was visible, Mm-hmm. round behind the buildings onto a concrete pad ready to crack off a crack on the next morning. And uh, when the driver went to it, uh, he realised that the door had been opened and uh, all the GPS equipment had disappeared. Now, how anybody knew where that was defies belief, but I think somehow somebody had got into the manufacturer's system, which would give uh, access to its location. Were the culprits caught? Oh, good Lord, no. No. Mm. We were told told by the authorities that uh, it would have been out of the country before we even discovered it has gone. I'm afraid we are um, exposed to rural crime. Uh, Is the theft at Beckles Farm, where they broke into a shed and pinned chainsaws, chainsaw leggings and boots, uh, battery chargers, electric fence units, two water pumps, which we use to pump water for the cattle. And um, uh, police were very good. They actually caught these two people in different addresses. And at each address, I understand, they found uh, absolute Aladdin's cave of equipment, some of which we were able to recover. The frustrating thing was the time delay, because obviously we have to pump water up for the cattle. So we bought quite a lot of 
new equipment to replace the stolen equipment, that sort of sticks in your throat just a little bit. I mean, all of this hassle and time and expense be incredibly frustrating. You know, how does it, I mean, how does it sort of impact your day-to-day running of the business? Well, obviously, uh, we are encouraged to uh, put gates or barriers everywhere that we can. Uh, but it's not always possible because uh, you've got to get off the road to get into fields or farmyards or marshes or meadows and that sort of thing. We have to try and lock everything up at night. Some of the um, root crop harvesting machinery we have to leave out in the fields um, because you can't take it back to base at night. And so we're very worried about that. We try to lock everything up and... uh, yeah, we're taking all the precautions one possibly can, but it is getting more and more frustrating. I mean, what would you like to see happen at, at this point? You know, do you think there needs to be more, you know, more funding going into into rural crime prevention, or you know, what do you think would make the difference at this point? Well, um, I got great sympathy with the police force, but. Um, Rural policing uh, in Norfolk now, um, you know, if you see a policeman, you're pretty lucky. Obviously, they've got bigger fish to fry. They're not interested in fly tipping. I can understand that. That is a district council responsibility. I I would like to see more people about in the countryside. Thanks to Jim Papworth there in North Norfolk. Discover your new favourite Harvest playlists. With all the tracks chosen by growers, Bayer's Harvest Beats playlist on Spotify includes Combine's Roll, a mix of classic tunes to get you singing the harvest in, while the After Dark playlist keeps you motivated and alert with upbeat tunes and classic anthems. Check out Bayer for Crops UK playlists on Spotify now. Now, let's get a picture of what has been happening nationally. According to NFU Mutual's Rural Crime Report, the UK actually had 20% less rural crime theft in 2020 compared to the year before. But that still meant that rural crime cost the UK an estimated £43 million. Not a small figure. And crimes themselves have actually been getting bigger and more organised Let's try to understand this a little bit more and also how the pandemic has changed rural crime. I'm joined by Detective Constable Chris Piggott from the National Vehicle Crime Intelligence Service and Rebecca Davidson, Rural Affairs Specialist at NFU Mutual. Rebecca, it's it's been an unusual year in many ways, hasn't it? And I'm guessing this headline figure of a 20% drop in rural theft last year isn't really the whole story, is it? Can you tell us how the COVID pandemic changed the nature of rural crime last year? Well, of course, we welcome any reduction in rural theft. Um, But as you've said, it was no ordinary year and lockdowns obviously made it a lot more difficult for thieves to move around and they would have been more easily noticed on emptier roads. Um, So it doesn't come as a surprise that we've seen this reduction in cost. Uh, I mean, how how was the crime sort of changing, though? I know I'm sort of looking at the report here 
I know GPS in particular, um, GPS technology has been really highly sought after by criminals, hasn't it? Yes, we've had a huge surge in GPS theft and um, that has been a trend that started and it's a very international crime as well and we know that that's a Europe-wide issue. Um, But what we found was that the thieves changed their tactics last year. So whereas they may have been stealing the larger pieces of machinery and the big tractors, they then turned their focus onto smaller, portable, but very high-value items of kit. So obviously the GPS systems, which can typically cost about £10,000 and also the higher end ATVs as well so they certainly got more bang for their buck last year. Chris I'm just going to come to you I I know you work very much on the organised crime element of all of this don't you in in terms of the, the GPS in particular is that something that is being done by organised criminals or you know what's sort of going on there? Yes, so um, as Rebecca, I'll echo what Rebecca said in terms of, you know, the the larger machinery last year, uh, we weren't seeing as much of it getting stolen. Main reasoning behind that was a lot of our organised crime gangs are exporting this equipment out of the UK. So the issues with the borders, with the COVID restrictions, etc, etc, was making it harder to move um, bigger machinery. So they were targeting the smaller items and, you know, GPS, very easily transportable, um, easy to hit a farm in a night and have, you know, up to £100,000 worth of kit away by just by targeting four or five tractors um, and, you know, uh, easier to get away in a, in, a, in a vehicle and then put that into a dispatch uh, across the sea rather than have to uh, organise, you know, a lorry to take the stuff out. So, yes, we did. We found, we found a huge jump in that. Um, and unfortunately, the trends carried on this year as well. In fact, I literally five minutes before the phone call, I had a notification from Warwickshire that one of the farms there had been targeted overnight. So it, it's still continuing, despite the fact that, you know, the economy is back up and running now and we're coming out of all the restrictions. And these these criminals, the ones stealing the GPS, they're quite mobile, aren't they? These people are coming on scooters, is that right? Yes, so um, essentially we did a lot of work with Europol back into the summer last year and they're having exactly the same problems. And what we're seeing is we're seeing people that are transient moving across the, the various borders. As soon as there's detection in one country, they'll move on to a, another country. Some, some of the work they're doing is, is almost um, military-like uh, operations. They are going out with, with drones to do reconnaissance. They are going out in the days to do reconnaissance. Um, in some cases in Europe, I, we're not aware of it over here, but they've actually been um, drugging the animals, um, with the animals being dopey that evening when they've had visitors on site. But we've certainly had issues here in the UK where they've gone out in the day to target the, the property and, and find where they're going to go and go back in the evening under cover of darkness and they are using, you know, um, electric uh, scooters to get on and off of the property quickly and, and not alert anyone when they're there because they're not making any noise, yeah. Chris, I know you, you were saying that um, the large vehicles, it, it sort of slowed down a little bit with the, the problems at the borders, but I'm guessing it's it's still very much happening. What are these, like, criminal networks look like? You know, who's behind it and, like, how is it organised and what then what then happens and where do these vehicles end up? 
Okay, so, well, we, we get vehicles end up all over the world. There's, there's always going to be a demand um, in other countries. Most of the stuff we get back ends up in Eastern Europe. We've, we've had some of it uh, end up in other Western European countries. Um, but often it's used as a commodity to pay for, for other items, such as whether that would be firearms, drugs, people trafficking, um, because it's the, the high value of the machinery is, is just a swap with, with criminal networks from other countries to, for, that, for that exchange of, of that criminal commodity. We've recovered a lot of stolen machinery from Poland, Lithuania, um, and around those areas. Um, I'm I'm not targeting Poland as a country that's problematic. It's just that we do have a very good working relationship with with the police forces over there, and they will actively go out. It was a little bit more difficult to get stuff out at the beginning of Brexit with the paperwork issues, but we're up and we're running again, and and criminals would always find a way around a problem. That's That's their business at the end of the day, and it's our business is disrupt them and stop them you know if you're a farmer and you get your your tractor stolen by one of these these criminals how likely is it that you get it recovered do you think or does it depend a little bit on which country it ends up in like you say um you've got like better work you've got really good working relationships with certain police forces in different countries well i'd say firstly it starts with the farmer and what security products he's put onto that 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 um, that tractor, you know, very basic. If they're not putting tracking devices, immobilizers, marking systems such as the the Caesar scheme, um, then it's going to be more difficult for us to recover it. Um, you know, you know, it's proven that the the Caesar marking scheme actually increases the re- recovery uh, by about a, a further ten percent. So it's difficult to put a, a figure on it, but I'd say the more layers of security there are. And the more identifiable it is, the more likely it is we would be able to recover it. Are there any particular um, and the other like security measures that you would encourage farmers to put in place around the farm? I think in terms of security for the vehicles, and that's what I look at more than anything else, as I've already mentioned, immobilizers, marking schemes, tracking devices. You can get um, ram locks, which will, you can put onto the ram of the machine, which basically means if someone comes to move it, it will only turn in circles. You've got a full lock on, on, on it. I mean, there's plenty of other, other sort of security out there, you know, um, some of the farms have, have, have been very successful in, in making a single entry exit point onto the property, um, which means that if someone wants to come on, they can only come in through through one gate. Um, there's other alerting schemes. It, it just depends on a budget, really, and, and how far someone wants to go to protect themselves, because there's, there's, there's numerous other things they can do on, on top of the vehicle security, you know, your CCTV, your lighting. People even, you know, will, will put out... Um, a, a host of sort of pheasants or something like that that will make a lot of noise if someone comes comes onto the property. A- anything along those lines, certainly with the GPS systems. I mean, I know farmers don't like to do it, but I've said if if you daub your name or your farm name and your postcode in big black indelible letters onto the top of that dome, it's going to make it less appealing because the ones that are being sold are being sold on legitimate sites such as eBay or on foreign auction sites. And people are going on there, even UK farmers are going on there saying, that's a good deal, I'm going to buy that, and it's eBay, it must be okay. Now, when they're advertising that, 
it's not going to be of any use for them if it's got big name and, and, and letters daubed on top of it. And in the first place, when the thieves are coming out and seeing that on there, they're going to, they're going to target someone else. They're not going to target that property because it's got no resale value to them. That makes total sense, actually. Um, Rebecca, I just want to come back to you and, and sort of look at the report a little bit more, the, the findings from the report from last year. What other crimes have been, have we seen more, did we see more of last year? Um, so obviously we've already covered um, rural theft, um, but also sadly, and it will come as no surprise to your listeners, a huge surge in livestock worrying, you know, increases in dog ownership, increased visits to the countryside. We all know it's been so important for people's mental and physical well-being, but sadly that has taken a huge toll on our farmers and immense suffering to animals and also just the anxiety for farming families when they deal with the aftermath of these attacks. So 2020, we had something like a 10% rise in the cost of uh, livestock attacked by dogs. And that was um, a, a really disappointing figure because actually a lot of the campaigns had taken a good effect and it had been going down in the previous years. And then we look at um, the first quarter of 2021 and that value's actually shot up by a further 50%. Um, so it's a huge issue for us all. And of course, the, the flip side of that, just reading the report, is also a rise in dog thefts as well, isn't it? As, as like you say, people, you know, the dog ownership has increased and there's been, um, yeah, more, more likelihood of dogs getting uh, dog, dog napped, I suppose. Um, but the personal toll must, must be pretty huge for a farmer. I mean, I've got um, a, a comment here from the report from a farmer who had their dog stolen and um, they say her financial value is just the tip of the iceberg in terms of what her loss has cost us. Uh, we were simply devastated to lose her. Um, it's a it's a big emotional toll, isn't it, when stuff like this happens as well? It is, I know. Um, you know, for anybody, when you know when a dog's stolen, it's, it's like losing a member of the family, isn't it? But farming is an isolated profession, so you're missing a really essential part of a farm team. It could be your work company for the whole day as well, and it can take years as well, can't it, to train a dog? And um, and so the loss can be absolutely devastating, and and it's just not knowing what's happened to them. Um, I've spoken to farmers in the past. There was one case, um, a farmer who wanted to stay anonymous, but thanks to microchipping, um, the dogs were reunited. Um, but one um, kept breaking out at night trying to round up the sheep, and it was because the dog had actually been stolen by rustlers. Um, another had come back and obviously been found to have um, litters of pups, so it raises lots of concerns about puppy farming as well. And with the values of dogs as well going up, sometimes by, you know, four or five times in the last couple of years. You know, again, thieves will just want to go for something that's really lucrative. And farms are family homes as well. So it's got that wider impact on the rest of the family. And you do feel really vulnerable um, once you've had, um, you know, you've been a victim of rural crime because you wonder, when's it going to happen again? And it's also, um, for some people, it's this feeling of, being constantly staked out, you know, so many farmers tell us they must have been watching because I'd only gone into the house to, you know, get some breakfast or they must have known exactly where I'd kept that piece of machinery. And I think that can really play on people's minds. Yeah, that, that must be a horrible feeling, actually. Chris, I think one, one thing we perhaps, you know, need to talk about is the personal safety here. 
of farmers. You know, if somebody, for example, like catches somebody red-handed, there are potentially, I guess, like personal safety implications there. You know, what do you advise farmers to do? Well, 999, effectively. If there's a crime in progress, it's it's 999. I appreciate that sometimes they are isolated, they're rural. It may take a while to get a response. But, you know, and I also appreciate that personal element that comes into it at times. A farmer who may have been, you know, the victim of of several thefts and is at the end of their tether does want to take the law into their own hands. But call the police on every occasion. Um, You know, some some farmers now where they've had targeting have gone to wearing body cams. And that is fantastic evidence. So don't put yourself on offer. But what it also often does is it it lowers the risk of that farmer being assaulted or being confronted by those offenders. Because you would say, right, get off my property. You're being recorded. This will be passed to the police. uh, And and it does deter thefts. So that that, that might just be something they might want to consider for their personal safety. I I know everything costs, costs money. And I know these are frugal times as well. But... Don't don't confront them where you, where it's not necessary. Uh, report it to the police straight away, and if you can record them by way of a, a body worn device or something like that, keep, keep that running and, and get the best evidence you can, such as registration numbers, descriptions. Try and keep your call and get uh, you know so the police can deal with them either when they arrive or a, a later date if they move on to another area. There's some really good good tips there. So we've got, we've had okay, so we've had. Paint on your your GPS. We've had maybe put things in your farmyard like pheasants or something like that that make a lot of noise. We've had wear a body cam, call 999 instead of getting involved uh, and make sure you can try and like get vehicle registrations, things like that. Use cameras. And then, Chris, you mentioned all the things you can do with your actual vehicle, like tracking devices, things like that. Have either of you got any more tips of what farmers can do, Rebecca? Yeah, and it it doesn't have to be expensive. Um, There's some fantastic technology out there, but there's some really basic things you can do. And and that starts with removal of keys as well. So whenever something isn't in use, please remove the keys because, as we've said, somebody might be watching you and just waiting for that moment when you pop in to get something. So that's a good start. Um, As you've said, you know, you could use anything from pheasants. So dogs, you know, thieves hate anything that's going to announce their arrival. So anything that makes a lot of noise. So I think, you know, um, geese as well have also been very popular in the past. But, um, you know, we may laugh about it, but, you know, dogs that are really, really helpful or alarms that make a really loud noise because, you know, that will get them running um, and floodlighting too. So, again, um, as Chris said, they like to work under the cover of darkness. Um, so a combination of those things can really help. Um, but also working with your community as well. A lot of people in the country side are now becoming the eyes and ears of the, of the countryside for the police so sometimes by joining a rural watch or farm watch group or there's a number of um, very effective closed whatsapp groups that are working with the police uh, that can make a real difference and bring some really good results 
Chris, was there anything you wanted to add at all? No, I, I just reinforce what Rebecca said there, really. And I think, yes, communicate. You might be isolated, but communication, your nearest neighbour may, may be, you know, mile, miles away. But just having those communication threads with them, using the WhatsApp groups, using the technology. Um, I'd say a lot of the rural crime teams now will engage directly with the police. But I just emphasise going back, use 999 if it's a crime in progress. Use 999. Um, you know, 101's not going to be any good to you. You will be holding on for ages. I know how that system isn't, isn't the best um, in some areas. So, yeah, um, d- just let us know straight away. And by the same token, if vehicles are coming onto the property in the daytime... Oh, I was, you know, do you want to do you want to sell this? Do you want to buy this? I'm lost. Can you help me out? You're suspicious. If you can get a photo of the pro- that vehicle or the registration number without putting yourself on, on offer, then I, I, I would do that. that. That's great intelligence because these are the sort of people when we talk about being staked out, they won't be sat for hours and hours watching you. What they will be doing, though, is coming on to see where your vulnerabilities are, seeing who's knocking around, seeing what's available if they come back that evening. That's that's how they operate. So, yeah, um, that those are the people, you know, we need the intelligence on to, to be able to to develop our crime prevention plans. Brilliant. Thank you both so much. There's some really, really useful, practical advice there to help keep help keep everybody safe and, uh, and farm safe. So thank you both very much. Thanks to Jez, Rebecca and Chris and to Jim for sharing his experiences of rural crime there. Remember, there's lots of advice on protecting your farm on our website, fginsight.com. And there's a really useful safety checklist at nfemutual.co.uk forward slash rural crime well that's it for this week we hope you enjoyed the show make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes of over the farm gate until next week from us at fg thank you for listening enjoy the rest of the olympics goodbye for now